You're listening to a classic business podcast as heard on Classic 1027. 1027. All righty, and it is time for the roundtable feature of the evening. Uh, we will be looking at whether or not, or will the sugar master plan help establish a viable bioethanol industry for South Africa? Our two guests this evening are Tlale Matseke. I hope I'm saying that right, Tlale. Good evening to you. Good evening. You are the EU and SA Partners for Growth Project, if I'm not mistaken. Well, I'm leading all of the work under the agriculture and market access activities on the project. Uh, and the project is just but one uh, initiative by the EU to support the economic partnership agreement. Right. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, and the other guest this evening is Professor Yuan Gorgens, uh, who is a biofuel expert and a lecturer at the University of Stellenbosch. Good evening to you, Professor. Hi. Uh, good evening. Thank you very much for joining us. So, um, all right, so I guess I've got a couple of questions just to start with the basic. What is bioethanol and biofuel? Yeah, so if I can quickly distinguish then what we call biofuels from fossil fuels. So fossil fuels are things like petrol, diesel, and aviation fuel that we make from crude oil, coal, and natural gas. So we have all of those in South Africa. And then biofuels would be alternative fuels that are made from biomaterials and, and that brings certain environmental benefits with them compared to fossil fuels. Bioethanol is one particular type of biofuel. It's the alcohol that people enjoy on the weekends. Uh-huh. But we, we produce it in a way that we make it very pure and then it becomes suitable as a, as a fuel for vehicles. As sort of a you know, petrol car would take it. Yes. So, not so typically you would blend ethanol with petroleum, with petrol, uh, with, with diesel, uh, sorry, with, with gasoline in a conventional petrol engine car, or you can also convert bioethanol into jet fuel. And those are the two typical applications for transport. Okay, all right. And uh, Tale, what is, what is EPA? Uh, and what is the significance for the industry? Okay, so the Economic Partnership Agreement, which we call the EPA, is a trade agreement between the European Union and South Africa, as well as other um, static states. Uh, and it came into effect in 2016. Prior to that, we had the Trade Development and Cooperation Agreement, which is a PDCA. And effectively, what distinguishes the EPA from its predecessor is that the EPA introduces two new provisions which enhance trade between South Africa and the EU. The first would be the inclusion of sustainable development, and this is to enhance trade. We know that um, South African development objectives include poverty reduction, you know, targeting unemployment, increasing domestic supply capacity, and all of these different factors uh, of, you know, impact competitiveness of our industries, which aim to supply the EU. So that's the first thing that the EPA does. The second thing is that it prioritized uh, trade facilitation through different mechanisms which the program undertakes. Uh, one of these would be um, establishing these joint initiatives, which we host between EU member states as well as South African industries, um, which all aim to, to, to contribute to uh, building capacity in South Africa. And um, also, we aim to uh, uh, create opportunities to, ex- to have exchanges and, and, and sharing of best practices between different stakeholders in the EU and South Africa, and ultimately just trying to improve coordination between um, member states and South Africa. And, and, and these are all different mechanisms that the EPA has been using to improve uh, trade between South Africa and the EU. And I mean, South Africa is, is the only strategic partner, um, strategic trade partner on the continent with the EU. So, you know, all of these different uh, mechanisms are ultimately intended to, to improve 
market access for South African industry to, to the EU. Yeah, because I mean, we're really sort of start trying to stimulate economic growth, right? And um, I guess there's there's an opportunity to produce a lot of bioethanol in South Africa um, and to export that. But if we look at exports to the EU at the moment, what are, I mean, how much are we actually exporting? How much are we actually producing? So are we talk, if we're talking about bioethanol, um, we're currently exporting 80,000 tons of, of, of ethanol, specifically. Um, sorry, the, the tariff rate quota is 80,000 tons, but of that, we're only exporting about 10,000 tons, oh, wow. which is about 12%. Um, and, and I mean, that's, there's, a, there's a huge potential to improve that. And this is a 2019 figure. And I mean, the, the, the amount of exports have hovered over, over between between say twelve percent and fifteen percent over the, the three years prior to twenty nineteen. So that's a low number. Um, and and what we found is that the reason the reason why uh, we haven't been exporting more of this of this uh, bioethanol of, of this ethanol, sorry, is that this, the, the policy regulations in South Africa have lagged. Um, the DMRE, which is the Department of Mineral Resources and Energy, and um, has been responsible for publishing. Um, what we call the South African Biofuel Regulatory Framework. Uh, and this introduces uh, certain certain uh, regulations and certain mechanisms to stimulate the sector. Um, however, you know, the, 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 the policy process has been um, slow. Uh, so, so this has also made it very difficult for interested investors to come into the sector, you know, plow in the kinds of resources that are required in order to, to, to stimulate growth in the sector. Okay, and and Professor Gorgens, if you could chime in a little bit and just sort of, um, I mean, what are the, some of the the inputs that we need? What are the possible sources of biofuels? Um, you know, how can we? You know, what is needed to get this industry really going? Yeah, so at the moment in Southern Africa, there is about four hundred million liters of of relatively pure ethanol being produced per year, and this is bioethanol. Uh, the, a large portion of that is used locally for beverages, and then some of it is, is exported. Uh, so at the moment, we don't have any ethanol being used in vehicle fuels, uh, at least not in South Africa. Wow. So uh, the local regulations thus far is not, have not actually stimulated the kind of investments that were expected to get bioethanol into the petrol pool in South Africa. So the ethanol currently being produced would be from conventional sources, typically sugarcane, uh, as well as some of the grains. So sorghum, for example, there is some maize ethanol also for beverage grade uh, being produced. And of course, the question is, can we expand this in future? And, and this is where there are certain new opportunities where one would look at, at not only these conventional sources, but also look at uh, some of the non-conventional sources of ethanol. Yeah, we know that the sugar industry is taking a bit of a hit with sugar taxes and all sorts of, um, you know, new, I guess, onerous uh, requirements and so on. Um, I mean, this seems like a good opportunity for sugar producers to, you know, not, you know, some of the waste products that they have, they can turn into bioethanol, right? Yeah, and it's not only in terms of waste. There is uh, somewhere in, in excess of 400,000 tons of sugar that's currently being exported from South Africa essentially at a loss because the global sugar price is much lower than the local price. And of course, there is consideration of them turning that sugar into an alternative product, of which ethanol is one of the products under consideration within the sugarcane master plan. So what we'd have to do, though, is how do we... How do we include that into our energy mix? I mean, how, there, there was a legislation passed a number of years ago, I think, that said, you know, we have to start mixing um, 
as you mentioned, traditional gasoline or petrol with uh, bioethanol or biofuel in some sorts to start getting a cleaner kind of uh, energy, uh, you know, out there. Why is that not being enforced? Yeah, so, so there's been various regulations um, ever since 2007 uh, trying to get local ethanol production for fuel purposes and having that blended into petrol. And the long and the short has always been that you need to have sufficient financial support from government to make it viable. And, and the, the key problem is that petrol is actually pretty cheap mm. compared to other potential applications for bioethanol, such as exporting to the EU or converting into jet fuel. Those give much better prices than the local fuel price. Right. So you need substantial government support to make it viable for a bioethanol producer to blend into the local fuel pool. And that's also why... Uh, with the work of the EPA, um, we're specifically then looking at the opportunity of exporting ethanol to the EU because that is likely to give you a much better price than what you can currently get uh, for blending it into petrol locally. Yeah, and it makes more sort of economic sense, right? It's Exports is always good for, for the country, right? Um, in terms of pricing and, and, and forecasting pricing over the next couple of years, because this is long-term investment, what, what do you... I mean, where do you see this going? So currently, if you were to sell ethanol for blending with petrol, you would have to sell it at approximately seven rand a liter, and that's the basic fuel price for petrol. Uh, if you were to export it, you can probably get prices in the range of 10 to 15 rand per liter. Uh, so, and those prices, there are several options in South Africa where you could produce ethanol at those prices seeming to indicate that there is certainly an opportunity to to export 100 million litres of ethanol to the EU. Right. Uh, and Tlale, in terms of the EU, there's a there's a regulation called the Renewal Energy Directive. Um, I mean, how how is this tied in with, uh, with the EPA? And, um, you know, what, just maybe just explain to us a little bit of how this works. Okay, great. Um, from what part you were saying, we can certainly see that there's the scope for increasing trade um, of bioethanol between the two regions. And, and with the EU uh, pursuing what they call a decarbonized future and um, setting out to be climate neutral um, by 2050, uh, we know that they've, they've got to put certain targets and certain goals in place in order to achieve this. Um, so what, 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 the renewable, what the EU Renewable Energy Directive, what we call RED2, um, is meant to do is that it, it puts into place some of these regulatory responses. Um, there are various targets which have been articulated under that. Um, one of the, 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 the foremost being that the EU aims to, to, to source 32% of its energy from renewable sources by the year 2030. Now, this means that um, traditional sources and traditional bioethanol, uh, a, a bioproduct, bio, bio would, would, would um, have to be phased out. Now, this creates a massive opportunity for South Africa and other member states under the EPA to, to, to produce bio, um, biofuels from advanced sources which are what Prof. Jorgens has been talking about in some of these feedstocks that include waste and, and, and other types of uh, sources which are more sustainable. And what, what we're seeing here is that this, this advanced biofuel has significant potential, potential to export um, export to the EU. It, it, it's effectively a win-win. On the South African side, what we have is a more sustainable fuel source which has been produced and um, which doesn't require any, any, any land expansion, um, which also uh, allows us to, 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 to grow our bioeconomy in South Africa, while at the same time also creating uh, a scope for the EU to, to reach its climate neutrality goals. So, so that, that's, the, that's the key thing between, um, between the South African uh, uh, prospects as well as the, 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 the rich to um, regulatory response. 
Okay, so this leads me to uh, to two questions. I, I guess there's a lot of talk of the sugar the sugar master plan, right? I mean, exactly. Maybe just for the sake of, I guess, me and and, and the listeners, maybe just explain to us what that is um, and how this kind of fits in. Okay, so um, the DTIC has been has been articulating its its its, its, its intention to um, grow this uh, this sector. Particularly looking at making it more more valuable, and um, the key thing that the Sugar Master Plan tells us is that there, there there has to be diversification both downstream and upstream in the sugar value chain. The idea here is that by um, increasing uh, capacity in in, in in the amount of sugar that's been uh, that's been produced, we then would have um, more sugar that we can turn into other products that are more valuable. As Professor has said, uh, we have a, a lot of sugar that is being sold at at really low prices on the world market, which is not profitable for our farmers. Mm. Um, but at the same time, the sugar sector being an active employer in certain provinces of Africa, this means that we have to find ways to make the sector more valuable. So so what the Sugar Master Plan aims to do in the long term is to diversify some of the, the, the products that could be produced using sugar sources. Um, this includes bioethanol, as we know, but also there are other interesting examples of, of, um, of products such as uh, bioplastics. We know that some of the, the, the major um, uh, clothing suppliers, you know, Coca-Cola, for instance, um, has now introduced bioplastics into their into their supply chains. So that creates opportunities for sugar to be, you know, directed to more um, valuable uh, um, industries and ultimately making it more, more profitable for our farmers. So that's the key um, the, the key factor that we've got to keep in mind when we're thinking about the the, the sugar master plan. Right, and then um, I mean, okay, so bioplastics is a relatively a relatively interesting concept. I mean, I'm assuming these are biodegradable, um, and uh, you know, I mean, and obviously made from some sort of a biological input. I'm not sure how that works. Yeah, so so with bioplastics, it's very similar to biofuels. These are also plastics that are made from biomaterials, but you can distinguish two categories. Some of them are indeed biodegradable, and therefore, when you dispose them on landfill, they will just self self compost. Other plastics are simply made from bioresources, but not biodegradable. So they offer benefits in how they're produced, but they don't offer benefits in disposal. They still need to be recycled. I mean, do you think that we'll see some sort of a regulatory enforcement of sorts to say, look, any you know bioplastic that is made uh, needs to you know fit a certain criteria, like it has to be biodegradable, for example, or do you think that that's kind of just wishful thinking? Uh, so, so there's a balance between recycling and, and using biodegradable plastics. So for sure, recycling is, is always a preferred option. And you, if you can capture plastics after use and recycle them back into products, for instance, shopping bags are, are now made with a certain portion of recycled plastics. Right. Um, that is always a good option. Where the recycling value chain don't work or for some reason cannot function, they're a bioplastic uh, is a good replacement, especially if there are issues with disposal, where the, the biodegradation then is a benefit. Okay, and then I guess, um, all right, so my, 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 this leads me to my second question from earlier. Sorry, I got a bit uh, off track there. Um, I mean, I guess in terms of what the industry needs in order to, to grow, what, what are the, some of the things that your research has found? So specifically looking at the EU opportunity, as we've indicated, there are limits to the amount of crop-based biofuels that can be exported to the EU, whereas there are better prices and, and more attractive markets for what are known as waste-based biofuels. 
So okay. here you would produce ethanol from agricultural residues or from invasive alien plants or even from food waste. And those ethanol options uh, are, are viewed as more attractive to the EU and, and they will pay premium prices for those. So that's clearly an underutilized opportunity where at the moment we're not producing any such ethanol. We're only producing conventional ethanol. And, and that is also looking forward into the future, not only for ethanol, but also for jet fuel. Those are the kind of feedstocks we, we need to start exploiting. So there's potential to produce at least a billion liters of ethanol per year from these alternative feedstocks, not the conventional crop-based ones, uh, by using things like agricultural residues. And, I mean, the margins on something like that would be much higher, wasted food products, <laughs> you know, zero input cost almost, except maybe collecting it and transporting it, right? Yeah, of course, one has to consider that some of these wastes are, are less amenable to the ethanol production process. Right. So you actually need additional processing and you, you often end up with a higher production cost for these ah, right. uh, com compared to the conventional crop-based systems. Some of the wastes do give a fairly low production cost, but for the majority of these, you are looking at higher production costs, which is also why markets such as the EU, where they offer premium prices for these waste-based products, uh, are actually important. Okay, yeah. And I mean, what is the primary motivation behind, um, you, you know, obviously there's a legislative requirement for them to be, uh, to have a certain sort of energy mix by a certain target date, but why, what would incentivize them to pay premium? So the waste-based biofuels typically have better environmental benefits. So if you look at, if you replace a litre of petrol with a litre of ethanol, what is the environmental benefit, which is typically measured in the reduction in greenhouse gas emissions. And with waste-based biofuels, you, you often have improved uh, emission reductions, so you're doing more for the environment. And, and that is the key reason why the legislation would then create the market and a premium price for that. Right, okay. And Tlale, sorry, um, it sounded like you wanted to sort of interject and jump in and say something a little earlier, and I think we just kind of spoke over you, so I want to give you the chance. Thanks. Um, so I was just going to say that from the project's perspective, because we've identified this value chain of having um, you know, significant potential for South African producers, uh, what, what, what we focused on doing was, besides doing the research, was to try to increase um, you know, the visibility of South African stakeholders uh, with, with the EU counterparts. So what we've done is um, hosted, um, in, in, in one instance, a, a trade of engagements, trade, trade and seminar between South African uh, uh, producers and, and other actors along the value chain, uh, which 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 um, has the potential and had the interest in, in engaging and potentially supplying the EU, and also on the other side of of, of, of the coin, which is the, the EU stakeholders, um, which were looking for market opportunities in South Africa and um, opportunities to collaborate with South African stakeholders. So so, so we we've, we've been doing those sort of engagements, which you know, um, create opportunities for facilitation of information and also creating a visibility because, you know, that's one of the factors that we found has been lacking. Um, producers are willing and able, but they don't know where to find each other. So that's one of the key aspects of this program that, we, that we've been involved in to, 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 to bridge that gap. Again, okay, I mean, how ready would you say South Africa is to, you know, to get busy producing, <laughs> right? I think we have a lot of infrastructure that's being used for traditional um, you know, sort of chemical energy production. Um, can any of that be sort of repurposed? Indeed, so, um, so yes, I, I mean, I think oh, sorry, I think 
I think. Um, all right, let's let uh, the Professor jo- go, go, uh, sorry, Professor Gorgens go first, and then Clale. Um, I don't. So yes, we we do have 400 milliliters of ethanol being produced already. So there's a good amount of technology already on the ground, and I'm sure that we have the technical capabilities to also take on these waste-based biofuels. All right, sorry, Clale. Um, so in terms of readiness, I would say that business has demonstrated to us that they're willing to, to or they're, they're, they're ready to go, um, and um, really they're just waiting to, to, to get the final word from uh, the likes of the Department of Minerals and Energy. So, so once DMRE has, you know, has, has come forward with some of those um, updates, then business is really willing to make the, 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 the investments that are required to, to get things going. Okay, so interesting times, interesting times ahead. I think... Um you know, I think even in a post-pandemic world, I guess, um, some good things are happening, right? Um, I think there's a greater awareness amongst the public as well to push an agenda like this. Um, I mean, I don't think there's much that someone like me can do alone, but I think this is a good conversation we should be having. Um, and I think there's probably a number of entrepreneurs out there that are uh, looking at this and thinking, wow, this is a huge opportunity because it sounds like it is a huge opportunity, right? Um so yeah, thank you very much for your for your time this evening. I really appreciate uh, the opportunity to speak to you. Uh, that was uh, Klale Mateke, uh, the EUSA Partner for Growth Project, uh, Analyst, Leader, um, Implementation Specialist, uh, and Professor jo- uh, Johan Gorgens, who's a biofuel expert and a professor at the University of Stellenbosch.